Welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast.
How many of you were at the lockout Friday night? Okay. Those are the ones who have my permission to fall asleep if they have to during the sermon. <laughs> right. No, I'm kidding. Let's pray. We pray, oh God, our hearts would be at peace, that our world would be at peace, our families, our jobs. Bring peace to us through your word this morning. Give us word we need to hear. Give us the courage to respond. In Christ we pray. Amen. Sharing with some of the youth this morning, one of my favorite movies is the 1999 sci-fi thriller, The Matrix. It's got everything in it. I'm not sure it has romance, but anyway, it has all the other good stuff in it. Main character is Neo. He hears rumors that this world of ours may not be real, but an illusion. Maybe a computer program run by an outside force. Morpheus is a hacker who hacks this program illusion and confronts the main character, explaining that this illusion was created to prevent humans from discovering that they are actually slaves to this outside force. And, he says, if Neo wants to know more, wants to be set free, and wants to follow him, he holds out capsules in his hands, a blue pill and a red pill. He says, if you want to know more, take the blue pill. I mean, take the red pill. Take the blue pill if you want to just go on living as you've been living and believe whatever you want to believe, but take the red pill if you want to know more and to follow. And he says, remember, all I'm offering you is the truth, nothing more. Blue pill, red pill, stay in the illusion or follow into the truth decision time. Now rarely are our decisions so heavy, but we've all been there, haven't we? Decisions, eggs or pancakes, right? Read the front page or do the crossword puzzle. Sleep in Sunday or Sunday school. Fish or go to church, right? Tie or no tie. But even on Sunday mornings, it's decision, decisions, decisions, right? If you think about it, life is just one decision after another from the most ordinary decision like which toothpaste to choose to the big ones like who to marry. Big decisions, 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 decisions. How do you make your decisions? Do you reason them out in your head or do you go with the gut? Some of us go with the head. And we thought for a long time that the best way to make decisions was to reason and to 
rationalize. But scientists these days say that the better way to make decisions is actually to go with the gut, the emotional part of the brain. They say having too many decisions these days causes our brain to sputter and short circuit. But to go with the emotional side, it says, here's a feeling. Don't worry about all the details. Here's a feeling. We've got all the details worked out. Stop thinking and just go for it. It all happens here in the frontal lobe of the brain. All of those emotions get processed there. So if that part of the brain gets damaged, then you may be in trouble. Having more choices these days may also make purchasing difficult. In fact, one researcher discovered what she called her supermarket jam experiment. She says that she put on one display at the grocery store six jars of jam, and on another table she put 24. And she said the crowd mobbed the table with 24 bottles of jam. But they bought more from the table with six bottles of jam. Saying that shoppers prefer fewer choices. Everybody wants the store that sell, sells a thousand options. And yet, she says, that's the recipe to buying nothing. And the accumulative effect, they say, making all those decisions in life is that we get so tired and emotionally drained that we even find, and you'll find this, that your immune system drops. We get sick. That having to make so many decisions, we are more likely to get a cold or flu. Decision time. Baseball legend Yogi Berra, remember, had some great advice for decision making. When you come to a fork in the road, take it, right? But what if there are 20 forks? So many options. Has there ever been a time when there are more options than there are today? There used to be just two options. You go to church or you stay home and pretend that you're sick, right? Now there are a thousand options on Sunday. I, I wonder if that had anything to do with the disciples in our passage choosing to desert Jesus, to turn away. Verse 66, from this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now why is the decision to follow Jesus so difficult? I have to agree with those who turn back, who grumble. They say, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? It's true. Some things Jesus said, some things he did were hard. Hard to hear, hard to comprehend, hard to believe. 
right? No wonder then that many of those who follow Jesus, even today, desert him, turn back. But be careful. Let's Let's not judge them too harshly. Don't write them off too quickly, calling them lazy or faithless. Notice that John still calls them disciples. The people in this passage who deserted Jesus are believers. They followed him, and up to that point, they had given up a lot. By now, though, they probably have grown tired. can see clearly what had attracted them to Jesus, perhaps, and decide to leave. Who can blame them? We're not all that different, are we? Who here hasn't at one time wondered whether believing in Jesus was pointless? Whether it makes a difference in our lives? What does it matter? This religion of ours. Maybe it's during the the dark of night while you're watching and praying beside the bed of a child or a grandchild at the hospital wondering, why aren't my prayers getting through? Why is she still sick? Or maybe it's in the early part of the morning when you wake up wondering, why am I alone? Why did he leave me? Or in the late afternoon, maybe while you're cooking your dinner and you're thinking about your family and why the family that you'd hoped for turned out to be so malicious, so unkind to each other, and nothing seems to turn out the way you'd hoped. And you're asking, does Jesus make a difference? Was it worth it? If we're honest, we can admit that there are so many of those times when we have a hard time seeing God. When maybe we've said, what's the point? And the promises I trusted turned out empty. And the faith I once had, wishful thinking. I know people say this because they've told me they say it. And maybe I have too. Or maybe we don't turn away openly. Maybe we don't renounce him immediately. Maybe it's gradually. Maybe it happens like this. One Sunday we just don't make the effort that we usually make to get to Sunday school on time. Maybe then we start missing Sunday school or we stop coming. Or maybe we show up once or twice a month, or we reduce our giving, or we become less willing to help, or we stop volunteering and we say, please take my name off that. Or we stop praying. And suddenly, we end up just like the disciples in today's passage. It's not a pretty picture John paints in this passage. Not a happy story, but I'll tell you what it is. It's realistic. It is realistic. It's raw and it's real in a picture of disbelief, of disillusionment. Jesus is surrounded by all these people, thousands of people who wanted to follow him, who tried to follow him, who used to believe, 
that they've perhaps gone through the motions too long. Gone through the motions and finally given up. How many of our once members, faithful members, now spend their time traveling instead of worshiping or fishing instead? I think it may have been subtle for these disciples. On the outside, they continued to show up, look the part, but maybe they had become pew Christians. Body was there, heart wasn't into it. Used to be fun, and then it happened. All this talk about eating his flesh, becoming poor, sacrificing, carrying a cross, dying, serving on four committees, and following him became a chore. Now back to the movie, The Matrix. There's a scene where one of the disciples that had followed by taking the red pill, I guess, decided that after seeing the truth with all its fighting and suffering, he preferred the illusion to the truth. He gives up, goes back, goes to the enemy and says, I know this isn't real, but I prefer it to the truth. The truth is too hard. And so he turns back. Is that our story? A story of disbelief or disillusionment? Are you on the verge of deserting? Or are you going through the motions? Bodies here, but heart isn't. Or maybe some of us walking around with a chip on our shoulder, just waiting for one good excuse to turn back. Jesus says, you need to choose. He knew the disciples were grumbling about this and says to them, verses 61 through 64, does this offend you? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And yet some of you don't believe. Jesus knew from the beginning who wouldn't believe. And he knew there would be one who would Betray him. He says, For this reason I said to you that none can come to me unless the Father enables them to do so. And at this, at this, many of his disciples turned away and no longer accompanied him, it says. Reverend Catherine Paisley says, This is not the kind of speech we expect from Jesus talking to his followers because it has confrontation and because he's asking them if they want to leave. Barbara Brown Taylor says, Jesus wouldn't have made a good pastor because of that. In one church in Nashville, there was some significant conflict, enough to bring outside consultation to help them. This expert team that came from Atlanta created listening sessions so everyone could share 
their perspective on the situation in the church. After compiling all the conversations, they shared their analysis and they gave some advice. And listen to their advice. Some of the chronic grumblers need to get on board the train or move off the platform because the train is leaving the station. If they can't get on board, these folks need to get out of the way and catch a different train. Wow. And some of those people there heard that, felt confronted, uncomfortable, and resentful. But the leadership of that consultation team remained firm. The grumblers could not be allowed to sabotage the direction of the ministry and the momentum for the rest of the group. Jesus is confrontational. The essential truth in his model for the church is that there are always some folks who want things easy, but when they hear it's hard, get angry or turn away. He's honest here. His honesty gives them a choice. You have a choice. Get on board or get off. Swallow the blue pill or swallow the red pill. It's decision time. It isn't all bad news, though. I mean, I always focus on the hole in the donut, you know, what's missing. That's negative. What about what's actually here? What about all those who are here, those who stayed? Someone in that passage said, well, he used to have 5,000. Now he has just 12. What's he going to do with 12? I bet money someone said that. But yet, with those 12, today, 2.18 billion Christians in the world. So trimming the bushes sometimes results in bumper growth. It's a story of disbelief and desertion, but it's also a story of belief in courage and faith, there were 12 who said yes. He asked them, will you also leave me? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, who are we going to go to? You're the one with truth. Well, what made the difference between those 12 and the rest of those the thousands. Are they smarter? They have more faith? More courage? No, because we know these disciples, don't we? We know they wrestle with doubt and fear. They suffered from an abundance of pride, sometimes a lack of courage, and we know they eventually desert Jesus, right? It's none of that. But what sets them apart? Maybe it's that one thing. Lord, To whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. Peter knew where to look. That's the difference. They knew where to look. I imagine that those that turned away went looking for 
something else in other places. Fishing, exercising, traveling, yard working, joining another Messiah. Who knows? Like the Israelites. Remember the Israelites when they're in the wilderness? And they get to this point in the wilderness wondering. And they stop. And they say, this doesn't make sense. This is not what I thought it was going to be at all. The brochure promised a lot more. I'm hungry, I'm homeless, I'm hot, I'm bored, I'm whatever. And in a moment, they had a decision to make. Go back or move forward. We know what their decision would have been. To go back would have meant food and security, predictability, yes. But we also know it was an illusion. It was a slave's life. Going forward, yeah, risky, into the unknown, scary, but it was truth. It was grace. It was God. Decision time. Jesus says no one setting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I mean, what's, what's there in the past that's worth going back to? God or sentimentality? Truth or romantic illusion? Eternal life or comfortable life? This is a hard saying. Who can accept it? Right? Or you have the words of eternal life. This is hard or this is life. Which will we choose? Spirit rushes forward, and we can't sit. Jesus wants, obviously, wants us all in, right? But he'd rather have a few all in than 5,000 undecided. A few on the train than everyone on the platform. One foot on the platform, one in the train. He says, get on or get off. Stay or go. That's hard to hear. Eggs or pancakes. The front page of the crossword puzzle. A tie or no tie. Sunday school or sleep in. Life is full of difficult decisions. The small ones, big ones. Today may be one of those days. It may be the time to decide what decision do you need to make? What decision are we being called to make? Make the right one. We know where to look. Where is Jesus? Go there. Do what Peter did. Look in the right place. Let's pray. These are hard words, Christ. We want to be like one of the twelve. But it is hard. 
we don't always understand and we can't always see clearly or hear perfectly and we need help. Nevertheless, where else can we go but to you? Help us. Help us get on the train fully committed with you to the end. In Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Baltimore Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Please like, review, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. If you have any questions, please submit them through the Anchor app. Or join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. right in our own Broadmoor Baptist Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Otherwise, I hope you have a good week.